This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and okay, that is going to be a personal foul. Not being fully engaged during the open of this podcast is personally offensive to me and a major penalty. Get in the game, people. I gotta say, Joe's mom is so into this big game, it's rubbing off on all of us. I mean, she's wearing her Detroit Lions jersey around the house. Yeah, I know, and she knows they aren't actually in the big game, but hope springs eternal here in the basement, and she's laying out the baked goods like we were at an all-gluten-and-wheat belly festival to help you have your best game when it comes to your money. Today, we welcome the hosts of the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, Jace Mattinson and Clark Sheffield. Plus, from LenPenzo.com, it's Nickelback! I'm <laughs> just kidding. They're still waiting for that Super Bowl halftime call that ain't coming. It ain't coming. It's just Len Penzo. And from Afford Anything, the biggest football fan on the podcast. Yeah, she has no idea who's playing. It's Paula Pant. Plus, in our Friday FinTech segment, here's how to up your game when it comes to your money. We'll talk to the co-founder of Vimvest, Justin Bailey. And now, here's the guy who's already standing over the bowl of checks mix, Joe Saul Seahawk. Is it the checks mix or the commercials? That's the best part of the Super Bowl. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Or am I supposed to say the big game? It, you know, they're not official sponsors. Are we supposed to say the big game? Do we get sued for that? I don't know. Hey, but I am Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. Welcome to 
big holiday weekend here in the USA. If you're outside of the States, this is where we all get together and, uh, eat uh, lots of bad food and drink lots of uh, fun stuff and swear at the television if we're a football fan. Or if we're not, we just live out in the desert where I believe on my dad's shortwave, Paula Pant joins us. I am here. Are you ready for the big game? Okay. Now, Doug said you have no idea who's playing. Do you have any idea who's playing? I have no idea who's playing. I'm going to guess the Las Vegas Raiders versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. The Las Vegas Raiders aren't yet a thing, even though you people seem to think that they're a thing. (laughs) And the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, did they even barely... Are also not yet a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I love how you take where you grew up and where you live now. Like, this is fantasy land. <laughs> in, in Paula's world, that's who's playing in the Super Bowl this year. Yes. And here's the biggest Cincinnati Bengals fan of all in uh, Los Angeles, California. It's our good friend, Len Penzo. Yeah, no, obviously I'm going for the Rams, dude. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, you know what, though? I've been practicing already. I'm going to get ready for the big game early. I've been uh, practicing the Gina P- Gino's pizza rolls and the uh, jalapeno poppers, just making sure that they're they're cooked to perfection at the on the actual game day. So, of course, I had to do it uh, a couple days early too, with with some testers. <laughs> That's really the key to the game, isn't it? Making Absolutely. sure the Gino's the Gino's Absolutely. pizza rolls are right. And, and did you know? I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think the Detroit Lions aren't they one of only like. Two or three teams that have uh, never been to the Super Bowl. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that. Oh, okay. Sorry That's a that, yeah. sore spot with mom. And if she hears us, you're in, you're in big trouble, man. We like having you on the podcast, Len. Sorry, Joe. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. And here to save us this week, it's the two guys behind the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. We're so happy to have them. Jason Clark are here. How are you guys? We're doing awesome. We're doing awesome. Thanks for having us. I have to say, I don't think I'm going for L.A., man, because of that pass interference call. I'm not sure they should even be there. That was a horrible call. No doubt about it. That was a bad call. And that was the voice of Clark, by the way, for people that that uh, wonder who's who. Jace, are you a a big fan of uh, of L.A.? You know, we'll see. I've got some uh, a loyalty to the Saints, and now that L.A.'s there, but then you got the Patriots, and they're always there. And I'm not from the Northeast, so we'll pa- see. I might be cheering for the Doritos commercial. <laughs> Paula doesn't like the fact that the Orlando Patriots are in the Super Bowl. I have no idea who's in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Wait, Orlando Patriots? <laughs> I, sorry, that was a... That's all right. Paula doesn't watch hockey anyway, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Well, Clark and Jace, we're glad you guys are here. I love your show. Tell everybody about Millionaires Unveiled because what you do is a pretty unique thing. Yeah. So just for those that haven't heard it, we we interview millionaires. So net worth of a million or more. And, and we kind of unveil their stories and their portfolio. So it's millionaire next door on steroids in a sense where people come on and say, hey, here's what I'm invested in. Here's what I do. Here's how I made my money. Here's my advice. These are my investing mistakes. And here's me opened up open book. Jace, what made you want to be go interview millionaires? Yeah, you know, Clark and I grew up with dads who were pretty open about their finances with us, but we only had that one example. And so it's kind of, you know, interesting for us to go and, and kind of seek out others and see how they invested and see what mistakes they had made and what investments had kind of driven them to get to the status of millionaire and, and financial freedom and financial independence. Have have you guys interviewed Michael Connolly yet, the best selling author? 
No, we haven't yet. Because <laughs> that guy's got to be, he's cranking out all these great books. He's got to be a millionaire by now. We got to get him. I'm sure he is. Yeah. Got to get him on your show. Stacky Benjamins, by the way, is brought to you by, that was such a bad transition, by Murder Book, a new true crime podcast hosted by, guess who? Best-selling author Michael Connolly. It's available on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to us right now. Also, be sure to check out Dark Sacred Night. It's funny, my copy of Dark Sacred Night showed up and Cheryl grabbed it. I have yet to even look at Dark Sacred Night. And I can't wait to read it because I love me some Michael Connolly. But that's his latest number one bestseller featuring Harry Bosch and Renee Ballard. Uh, Bosch on TV is such a great series, too. And he's, he's behind that. I'd like to also thank On Deck for supporting Stacking Benjamins. I love these success stories on the On Deck website about so many different entrepreneurs and how On Deck helped them succeed. If you're a small business owner and you need a capital today, On Deck can help. With over $10 billion in loans and an A-plus rating for the Better Business Bureau, On Deck's a lender you can trust. Find out more at ondeck.com slash SB. We got a fantastic show. We're going to talk about the big game in your personal financial life. So let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamin's Headlines. Our headline today comes to us from the Kansas City Star. And it's funny because I was looking specifically for a piece that did this. So, Paula, different than usual, where I usually go look at new blogs that have been written. I actually had a plan this time. What? I know. Stop it. I like this idea of comparing our money to this big game coming up to the Super Bowl. And this piece was written by Joni Lundquist and says, your financial planner developing a Super Bowl-like game plan for your money. The piece reads, Super Bowl 50. This is two years ago. This piece was written. So <laughs> even if you pay little attention to professional football, it doesn't say this, but we should put like Paula, you likely know about the Super Bowl due to media coverage and of course the preponderance of Super Bowl parties. I enjoy football, although with the Chiefs not in the big game, again... <laughs> Two years ago, but could be today. I have little interest in it. However, it occurred to me that building a Super Bowl team has some similarities to building your own personal financial plan. I really like this idea. Clark, let's, let's start with you because I, I, I like this idea that if you're going to build this millionaire mindset like you guys talk about on your show, having this game plan is absolutely key. Right, right. Yeah, I'm right on with you. So. I think that's where it all starts, right? I think someone has to find something that works for them, but that's kind of the first step is is finding a plan, right? Where do I want to go? What am I going to do? Where do I start? Here's my current situation. And I think I think that's where it all starts, right? You can jump the gun and say, "Hey, I want to invest here. I want to do this," but but kind of starting with the clarification of the goals, I think that's what really kicks it all off. Yeah, I don't think you guys have interviewed many people, Clark, where they've said, well, I just want to interview and what was hot. I read a thing on Motley Fool about the three hot stocks for this year, and uh, that's how I got rich. Right, right. My friend told me about Bitcoin, and I put in $10,000, and, and here I am, right? Now I'm in, now you're interviewing me. <laughs> so there's always been a plan, right? I mean, of course, there's somebody who, who did it that way, but with the people we interview, they're... In, they're intentional about their actions. They're intentional about what they do. They have a plan. They're aware of what they're doing. They know where their money is and, and they're focused. Len, it says here at the start, it takes discipline to be a millionaire. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people get lucky and they become millionaires by luck sometimes, but I think that's the minority. I think most people work hard and they, and you have to be disciplined. You have to have, and part of that discipline is what they're talking about here is, is laying out 
you know, the setting the goals and the building the plan, taking the action. So, yeah, I think most millionaires earn their money. But is it, Paula, do you think the key is discipline? Well, I think discipline is a big piece of it, but discipline by itself is not going to get you to millionaire status. All self-made millionaires are disciplined, but not all disciplined people are self-made millionaires. There are other attributes as well that come together in helping a person reach that seven-figure net worth. But is it, Jace, when you guys interview millionaires, is it then, if assuming that you agree with Paula, is it being disciplined, focused on the right stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't think you can take that eye off the prize, you know, going back to, to this article and just sports in general, when teams want to win something like that, they're all kind of collectively going for that common goal. And it's the same thing with your finances. You know, you, you might be able to take your eye off for a play, maybe you'll take your eye off for, you know, a possession. But overall, if you really want to win the big game, get to that end goal, you've got to have that discipline year over year to get there. It's funny. I was listening to a podcast where they were interviewing uh, LeBron James and his trainer. And it was interesting to hear him talk about commitment to the process. He gets up every day. And part of the reason that he doesn't get injured is because, you know, A, you're lucky. But B, he's got this commitment to the process every day where he's got this series of things that he does to make sure he stays on top of his game longer than most people stay on top of their game. So I start thinking, Len, about this commitment to the process. And I think, that kind of feels more like automation to me than discipline. You know what? He doesn't wake up every day and go, what am I going to do today? Well, I don't know. Is that discipline or is that automation? Uh, you know, maybe it's a little bit of both, but you know, he talks about you, you brought up luck. You said, Hey, part of it's luck. But like I said, one of the things always state is people make their own luck. People will say, well, LeBron James has been lucky. He hasn't been injured, but you know what? He's part of that luck. He made it himself by yeah. being disciplined, doing his, workouts or whatever his training is strength and conditioning so in, in that regard yeah he's been lucky he hasn't been injured but he's made that luck he's by through his hard work and it's the same thing for finances as well right so we work hard we save we spend less than we earn and people that become millionaires eventually by doing that slowly over time you know that they made that happen and you can say well they got lucky because they never were laid off or they never had a bad uh you know they didn't have a life-changing event that cost them a fortune or something but you know you make your own luck len's comment clark sounds like the harder i work the luckier i get right right just going off that you have this high level goal right of hey i want to be financial independent or i want to be a millionaire or i want to be this or i want to reach this income number but i think below that you have all these secondary goals, right, to help you get there. That's what this is all about is, is staying focused on your primary goal. And then, of course, there's going to be luck along the way. But there you kind of have your goals in place to help you re reach that primary goal. What are these people doing then, Jace, and people you interview? What are they doing that the tier below them isn't doing? Like, you know, just listening to what Clark says that there's, you know, maybe secondary goals. Maybe they get in the way. I don't I don't. What are your people? What are your people? <laughs> What are your people? Let me do that again. These are our, these are our people. <laughs> these are our people. Who be your people? Part of the posse, the millionaire posse of America and the world. <laughs> I was going to cut that out, but I think we're going to leave this in. <laughs> what are your people? What do they do? You're millionaire people. Yes, I like this. Your tribe. Yeah, I mean, just going back to to the little things that Clark was talking about. Like it's it's not so much that 
they lose focus of that big goal. It's you've got these little goals, you know, whether it's sticking to a budget on a monthly basis or putting away five hundred dollars to invest or acquiring a, an investment property in the year twenty nineteen. They commit to these little goals along the way to reach that big goal, and it's kind of a, a gradually and then suddenly kind of process to go off LeBron James that you know wealth and and building financial independence happens. You know, it's not something that goes overnight. It takes these little step by step, stride by stride before you're hitting mile by mile. And so you're saying the system takes a long time. Then once you have the machine, maybe the wealth then accumulates more quickly. Totally. Yeah. Paula, what do you think millionaires are doing that people below them are not? I would agree with that. I would say to a certain extent, it's just about time. It might be that somebody who's a millionaire has simply been doing this for longer than somebody who's not. And the person who's not will become a millionaire in the future once they put a few more years in. But it just takes time, right? You look at an exponential curve, you look at a curve that shows compound interest. And at the beginning of an exponential curve, the line looks pretty straight. It's only as you go further down the curve that the line appears to be steeper. So to a certain extent, if you're in year two or year three of your dedication towards becoming a millionaire or becoming financially independent, you might be doing everything right, but you're just in year two or year three. Which is funny because that leads me to believe then, Paula, that some people give up on a system before it even has time to work. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, if you think about any major goal that takes a long time, let's say that you decide that you want to go through med school, right? That takes many years. There are going to be a number of people who give up partway through and don't make it to graduation. But the difference between a first year versus somebody who's graduated in part is time. It's time and not giving up, time and persistence. I bet you saw that, Len, in your with your engineering background. I, You know, my son was one of uh, four people in Texarkana who went into engineering at the University of Texas, and he was the only one who survived. And it kind of feels like a little bit of what Paula's talking about, you know, just just doing, putting in, put in, put in the hard work uh, to reach the prize, even before there's any real prize money being shown you. Yeah. And you know what? There's one other thing. You know, it's not necessarily a straight line up. There are ups and there are downs and you can, you know, start showing progress over 10 years or whatever. And you're working your way towards a million and you might lose. Your net worth might go down. And that's not the time to get discouraged. That's the time to really buckle down and realize that, hey, this these these things, you go up and you go down, but you're you're you know, you're you're high. You get higher highs and you'll go down a little bit, but you'll recover if you keep at it and you'll keep going up over the long term. So don't don't expect that your net worth or what have you will constantly be increasing from year to year to year. There are times when you will, unless you're totally lucky, your network will drop a year, you know, on an occasional odd year. This is why I like having Jason Clark here is because I like this study this weekend. I mean, I really like this weekend mostly to see people that are at the top of their game that have beaten the other people that are the best at what they do and are are competing. You know, whether we agree with that official call with the Saints game or not, (laughs) 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 we still have. And even if the Saints are there, I mean, any of these four teams that reach the... 
AFC and NFC championship, whether you're somebody that loves football or not, I think watching people at the top of what they do is fantastic. But, and Len, I want to focus on what you said about ups and downs, because I feel like Clark and Jace, like when you guys interview people, you hear about some of these lows that people had. And I was just reading a piece in Inc. about Tom Brady. By the way, guy went to a loser school in the other side of Michigan (laughs) from the cool school and plays for a team that I definitely don't love. But you can't argue with it. He's had just phenomenal success. Tom Brady, when they asked him after his win against the Kansas City Chiefs, how he did it, how he managed to stay so calm in the biggest moments. There were lots of big moments in his game to get there. He said, part of playing sports is just staying in the moment. You know, we always say one play at a time. You can't make up for things that have happened in the past. You just got to think about what you're going to do moving forward. And I feel like people you guys interview, I guess, Jace, I'll, I'll ask you, people that you've interviewed, they have lots of stuff that happened to them in their past. And it seems like they're able to block this out, aren't they? Yeah. One comes to mind where he invested in, in a Ponzi scheme, actually, and you know, kind of wiped out a chunk of his net worth. And some so of that he, stuff just takes a mental ability to, to come over, uh, you know, to overcome those those things that might happen to you. But, yeah, it's it's consistently staying and sticking to the process to see it through, to endure all the way to whatever that goal is that you're trying to hit. So if he invested in a Ponzi scheme, he got to be a millionaire twice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that really isn't funny for him. <laughs> no, but you know what? That is true. There's a lot that have become millionaires twice, especially those that went through 2008. Right. No, good point. But that's the thing. 2008, Paula, happened to everybody. I mean, it happened to, if, if you were investing then, it happened then. And you see some people, man, they learned the wrong lesson or they let it get to them. Tom Brady talks about, you can't let this stuff get to you. You got to stay in the moment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. People who are successful will learn that lesson. Sometimes it takes a while, but there are some people who get so caught up in what happened to them in the past that they live in the past rather than in the present or in the future. Understanding the notion of sunk cost fallacy, understanding the idea of letting bygones be bygones and starting at this moment. I mean, it's it's harder than it sounds. It's very easy to sit in a podcast microphone and say, hey, let today be day one. But that is what you have to do every single day is day one all over again. Yeah, it's amazing talking to like poker players. Like I talked to Andy Duke and just letting a bad hand go away, you know, where where all the statistics work for you and just have the wrong thing and to not learn a lesson from that, which is the right thing to do, right? The right thing to do is to not learn a lesson and just let the next hand play out. I think it's very difficult. Absolutely. In part, people want a sense of control. And if you can think about, wait, why did that happen? That gives you a sense of control over what happened in the past. But it also traps you into the cycle of berating yourself over what happened. So uh, I think poker is a perfect analogy. You know, you you let the hand pass and you, you just you play the hand that you're holding at the moment. Len, this isn't just with investing. I mean, you work for the man. We talk a lot about careers and about your career. You have to work with some people who just can't let some stuff go. And if they did, they might be better employees. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, luckily I don't work 
with a lot of people that can't let things go. You have to, but I mean, you have to, you have to let things go. And and that's just part of, you know what, that's part of the maturation process as well. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to make bad decisions in your investing and you just can't get emotionally attached and you just pick yourself up, dust yourself off and get back up and don't be afraid because you just think about back to 2008, how many people got scared after that big old crash and didn't reinvest in the stock market and they've missed a humongous humongous uh bull market over the last uh, eight years yeah so just sunk sunk themselves uh, and i can't believe i said that joe what, from my bunker <laughs> <laughs> deep below los angeles where the world's gonna end any minute and you'll be the only survivor yeah. which will be great uh when that happens for you but <laughs> let's <laughs> uh, usually I it, taught you the secret knock. You know how to get in. I, I, I got it. I just got to get my butt there. That's hard. I got to fight zombies the whole way there, Len. <laughs> it's going to be tough. Uh, usually at this point, I ask everybody what their big takeaway is. But you guys are all successful. I think you're at the top of your field. You're the top of your game at what you do. Let's talk about, you know, maybe a key, a key thing that has helped you along the way. Maybe reach your Super Bowl, if you think about your career that way. Len, let's just stick with you. What, what do you think one key thing is, has been for you so far? Gosh, you know what? This might sound weird, but organization. I'm extremely organized, and I put that to use on everything, including my finances. So I've, uh, I, I'm meticul- very meticulous about that, and I think that's been very helpful over the years. I have ADD, and I've found that I have to be organized. Because otherwise my ADD, no, seriously, I write stuff down, I keep lists, and then I just follow the list. Because otherwise, it's squirrel moments all day long and nothing happens. Uh, Paula, how about you? I'd say the biggest thing that I've done is I created a vision, and then I stuck specifically to that. Uh, We've kind of alluded to it in this conversation as well. I have a lot of friends who have just switched goals or switched visions. So they'll work on something for six months or a year, and then they'll reset the goal and they'll decide that they want to do something else and they'll work on that for another year. And then they'll create a different vision or a different goal for their life. And they'll work on that for two years and then switch again. And so they don't end up making very much progress in any given direction. I think the number one thing that I did was I picked one thing and I've just done that for a very long time. Iterate on that. Well, that's what we were talking about earlier, right? Whereas people that just as you're starting to be effective, they let it go. It seems like especially when you look at a lot of bloggers out there, we see that. Exactly, exactly. And it's very natural to see opportunities and to have those uh, the shiny object syndrome. But we talked earlier about discipline. You also have to be disciplined enough to shelve your shiny object syndrome, write it down in a scrap on a scrap of paper, stick it in a manila envelope labeled someday maybe, and then never look at it again. <laughs> because... The only way that you're going to progress in blogging or in podcasting or in rental properties or in any other business that you try to develop is by choosing that business and then sticking with it for a very, very long time. Jace, how about you? I think it's learning how to learn. You know, over the years, you know, learners are earners is is something that I kind of grew up learning about. And I wasn't, you know, I wouldn't say that I was the best student in high school. But I learned to to learn, you know, whether that was learning how to invest or learning about real estate or learning about business. And I think those skills uh, have been valuable to me throughout my life, being able to learn something on the go, learn something new, 
putting myself in the situation that might be or feel uncomfortable at the time and then learning on the, on the fly to make it work. I feel that way myself. Just the more I know, the less I know, like the more, you know what I mean? <laughs> the, exactly. The more I learn, the more I'm like, Oh, I think I got to know more about that. And keeping that learning mentality. What is Stephen Covey talks about that? The keys to yep. successful people sharpening the saw. I think it's huge. Yep. Don't shut it off. Clark, you've got the last word. I think I'm with Paula here. This is my goal, right? Whether that's financial independence by an age or an income or a, you know, a net worth goal. I think once you make that your primary goal and then figure out how to get there, there's so much noise, right? There's even from people like us, we're saying, do this and do that. And everybody has an idea, right? Wake up early, set goals, you know, track your net worth, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad once a year, read Mr. Money Mustache 15 minutes a day, right? There's all these things. And I think it comes down to, you've got to find what's for you right? There's, there's a plan for you and what's your goal and, and how are you going to achieve it? Thanks to On Deck for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Well, if you're a small business owner or you're thinking about starting a small business, you have to ask yourself what capital you're going to need to manage your cash flow, purchase inventory, or upgrade your office space. Getting access to capital is incredibly challenging for small business owners and most traditional banks lack the technology and resources to truly understand a small business on decks, hundred percent committed to small business owners with fast and easy and tailored financing, whether it's a term loan or a line of credit, their loan specialist can help you secure the funding you'll need. You'll get a decision in minutes and funding is as fast as 24 hours away on deck. Doesn't require any business collateral. That's a big thing. And if you've tried to work with a bank before <laughs> you already get that that's a big thing. By the way, if you haven't dealt with a bank before, good luck with uh, getting away with no business collateral. The application process is simple. And here's another way that that's different than most bank loans. It won't impact your personal credit. Most banks, as you know, want to tie your personal credit to the loan as well. With over $10 billion in loans and an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, On Deck is a lender you can trust who's in your corner. And by the way, I mentioned earlier, in the show, how much I like the success stories at ondeck.com slash SB. But if you click on ondeck.com slash SB and you go right to why on deck and scroll down to success stories, you'll see people like uh, the Marine who grew his business hundred percent year over year, a family business that took on bigger and more accounts by hiring some employees, a martial arts trainer who made more space for an active community by moving to a new location. Like each of these different stories about people who aren't these big businesses you hear about every day, but like businesses that you or I would run head to ondeck.com slash SB and you know what you'll get when you go there? OnDeck's offering a free consultation with one of their U.S.-based loan specialists so they can dive into what you're trying to do and exactly how they can help. For more info, OnDeck.com slash SB. That's OnDeck.com slash SB for your free consultation. Well, as a guy who's interested in financial planning, obviously, I'm, I'm super excited to talk to this guy. And especially since I think that fintech should be all over the place. And we should definitely, I mean, I'm a guy that lived in Texarkana for a number of years. So when I hear about a fintech company doing great stuff in Sarasota, Florida, which is not the first place I think of when I think of fintech, 
I'm all excited to talk to them. So coming down to the basement here to explain Vimvest to us, an app that helps you invest, save, and give all in one place. Let's say hello to Justin Bailey, co-founder of Vimvest, coming down to the basement. And coming down the stairs to the basement, it is the co-founder of Vimvest, Mr. Justin Bailey. How are you, man? Good. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. So it's I'm always happy to see new financial planning software that people can use uh, on the horizon. I think it's an area of fintech that needs to be blown up. But let's talk about you. How did you and your co-founder, how did you guys decide it's time to uh, time to blow this area up? Yeah, it's, t- it's time to make another one of these. Yeah, so I was running my own freelance design agency at the time, um, pursuing actually graduate study in philosophy, oddly enough. This, there is start, no, wait a yeah. minute. What a way to start a story, dude. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> how, how, yeah. how does this end at financial planning? But anyway. Right. No, that's a, I was thinking the same thing, actually, as, as I was living it. I started a retainer engagement with this independent financial firm in Sarasota at the time called CD Advisory Group. This still exists. It's actually called Vimvest Advisors now. We, you know, it's part of part of the same kind of massive corporate superstructure we're building down here in Sarasota, <laughs> Florida. Of course, as you would build a financial firm. Absolutely. You know, you start in Sarasota and you go from there. Center of the universe. Um, exactly. The center of our universe, at least, right? So, uh, anyway, within the first week of that retainer engagement, uh, myself and Philip Dixon, who's one of the owners of this independent financial firm, and then shortly after, his brother Stuart. And both their mother, Margaret, who would the, so the co-founding group is a mixture of myself, two brothers, one Philip, one Stuart, and then a mother, Margaret. So they've been running that kind of family independent firm for a while. So anyway, Philip and I started talking and then Stuart and Margaret joined in, essentially discussing kind of the landscape of modern finance and, and technology and how we had seen it, how we'd experienced it so far, thinking about like, what's the next step? Where should it go? In in the midst of those conversations, that's kind of where the genesis of Vimvest begins. And so it it began with a couple of questions as we were analyzing stuff that we had experienced out there so far. And the three questions that popped in our head, which essentially kind of drove the genesis of Vimvest, were one, what if goal-based investing, saving, and giving was combined into one seamless experience? It seemed like there were these things all over the place kind of segmented. You had this app for this thing, this app for this thing, this app for this thing, connecting your bank account to a bunch, learning the different you know interfaces, different ways to do each one of them. So we thought, well, why, why are those things not combined in a, in a more unified way? So that was one of the questions, well, what if that occurred? Another one was, what if it was easy for people to automatically fund multiple goals with one smart kind of priority deposit? So the idea there was essentially saying, okay, this this goal-based financial planning really seems to be picking picking up steam. It makes sense. Uh, it's a it's kind of a retranslation of of you know kind of what people see as financial planning. But take investing, saving, and giving. What if we kind of wrap those together, made them cohesive, and then at the same time solve the basic kind of compartmentalization problem of depositing money by saying, okay, how much money am I able to put into kind of my financial planning future um, and make one deposit do the legwork for us? So it's essentially solving what's called the allocation problem or figuring out, okay, if you've got this much money and you've got some priorities, where are you going to put the money and how are you going to do all that yourself? So the way it's been working is you've got a bunch of different goals and you've got to say, okay, I want this amount of money to go here because I'm going to get to that target at this point in the future. I want this amount of money to go here. And you start doing this kind of maintenance work of having a bunch of goals and figuring out how you're going to do all of that. So we wanted to we wanted to kind of answer the question of, well, what if a single deposit could kind of simplify that down for people and allow them to do complex 
you know, curation of their financial future, while at the same time having a clear scoped idea of what their budget capabilities are and how to then just let the app kind of pass the money on the basis of the priority of the goal. Yeah, because and I'm sure we'll get to this later, Justin, but, you know, I just think about the process. Even if I'm using apps, I mm-hmm. I have four different goals. So I open up four different accounts in four different places. Each one of those accounts has a name, my second house fund, my retirement fund, my, you know, whatever vacation fund, maybe some giving fund, whatever it might be. Sure. And then right. I and just the complexity of those four things means it's going to take me six hours to set it up. I allocate only three because I think it's going to go smoother than it does. Right. And, and so only half of it gets done. So yeah. That's yeah. And then, and then the thing that people often forget is the, the amount of time that you're going to spend, not after the, just the initial setup process, but then the maintenance process is, you know, whatever it is times however many goals that you have, right? So it's like, you've got to make sure that this is working at the, you know, it's depositing the amount of money towards the target on the frequency that you want that to go. The same thing for the next one, the same thing for the next one. If you've got that all in one app, then that's act, then that's helping it. We thought we could take it even a step further and say, okay, let's put it into one deposit so that that automatic process could be easily managed, ramped up, ramped down, depending on a person's situation, with as easy as changing one number and then letting the priorities govern how much money is split automatically across those different goals to keep your priorities in place, but at the same time give you that easy flexibility of turning up the heat when it's time to, you know, when you're ready to hit your, to hit your goals more quickly and lower it when, you know, you're in a crunch. That's, so, th- th- that's cool. And then was there another question or did we get Yeah. So the, so the other question that was, that was two. So yeah. the other question that we were kind of going with was what if my modern finance spoke a more visual and modern language, essentially trying to make money even more purposefully driven. So the, the framework of goals, we thought that's good. That's a good start, but we haven't we haven't seen anything yet or we, we we want to essentially be the people to take it the next step, which is actually make this clearly focused on the reality that it's driving towards so that people start thinking about money in less in less robotic terms. Let the machines do the machine thing and they're there and those numbers and charts are available for you if you want them. But you focus on kind of the curation of the visual future that you want, attach money to the real purposeful things in life. And then let's move forward with that pretense kind of governing your vision. Well, they say if you, so, if you see it, you're more likely to go get it. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and that's what we thought that would be something that would be more for the for everyone sort of service. We thought that that could encompass a larger group of people as opposed to kind of the, the nerds who tend to geek out on the charts and numbers, right? Which is good. And we have those and those are there for people. But there's a huge mass of people who are not benefiting from modern financial planning tools because – they just speak a language that does not connect with their daily app using or software using life. It's just too much in the weeds of the financial side of things. And we wanted to make the experience open the doors for more and more people to get the benefits of what the kind of robots under the hood are doing. But but still for my nerds, just to yes. clear, have you say this again, I can go under the hood and get as weedy as I want. You can get as weedy as you would expect in an app like ours. Yeah, exactly. You could pop into a goal, see all the progress charts, see the performance charts, look at your holdings, uh, seeing those holdings broken down into, you know, percentages, into dollar amounts, into, uh, you know, fractional shares, all the things that you'd expect. Well, let's, in dive, an app like ours. let's dive in a little bit. Uh, how does it work? Is it an app based uh, program or is it web based? Uh, uh, start me there. Yeah. So right now we're just on the iOS platform. We'll be launching a web-based version here in a couple months and then Android a few months after that. So right now you got to have an iPhone. So head over to the app store and to, to check it out. So the way that it essentially starts, start with the springboard process. 
uh, you're, you're greeted into the account and it asks you for a couple of uh, asks you a couple of questions about your interests. What are you interested in when it comes to maybe goals that you may be saving up for? Uh, different categories will be there available for you. Maybe it's electronics. Maybe it's uh, so it's very kind of shopping like in the interest that it initially starts to ask you for. It'll also ask you a couple of questions about what you're interested in when it comes to a charitable contribution front. So it'll ask you different categories, different genres of of nonprofits that are out there just to get a feel. And that's used to build what we what we've kind of called the the goal marketplace, which is our attempt at creating a way for you to discover your future instead of having to come to an app with everything all figured out and ready to go. Cause that's another thing that's a little bit tricky sometimes. It's like, yeah. okay, I pop into an app and it's like, okay, now what? You know, so we wanted to say, okay, now what is look at all of the options that you can start crafting what your future looks like. So from there we have an essentially an, a shopping experience of goals where you can browse based on uh, investing types of goals, saving types of goals, giving types of goals. It's just like you'd expect a, sh- a normal shopping experience to be, but you're shopping for a goal. You're being inspired to that, say, add that goal. So once you find one that you like, then you just hit the add button and you walk through a very straightforward process to add that goal. So in the process of that, adding your first goal, you'll be asked about, let's say, setting a target amount for that goal, a target date that you want to reach it. And then Vimvest will start doing its automatic calculations about what you need daily, weekly, monthly to reach the goal. And now you're off and running. Goal added, first one on. So if, if it's an investing goal, again, the, the stuff that you'd expect, every goal has its own kind of unique portfolio that's recommended for it which is on the basis of the goal itself, but also on the basis of how risk averse the individual may be. So we offer a little questionnaire, which helps us kind of put the user in a category that allows us to that plus their goal, put them in as much of a risk averse category as they want. So they're not taking any more risk than they should take for the goal that they have. And then I save through you or do I save on my own or can I choose? How does that work? And by, by save through me, what do you mean by that? I mean, so then once I set up my goal, I know I need to save X amount per month or whatever it might be. Then I save through the app, like, like Correct. I'm saving, saving directly into it. Yeah. Yeah. So the app isn't, we don't have it set up to just be, you know, something that's going to tell you how much to do in it and say, go do it somewhere else. Gotcha. Everything's happening inside of the app. So when we recommend, let's say this is how much you're going to need to save up to hit this goal. We're, we're actually saying to you, Hey, put this money aside over here in your Vinvest account. We'll start adding all the all the pieces up, putting it in the right place, essentially putting in these little digital visual envelopes for you. And once you hit your goal, you move it back to wherever you want to spend it from, and then you go from there. So it's a way way to keep that money safe and growing where it should be as you're heading towards your goal. For those longer term goals, uh, then is it like a robo advisor where it's maybe feels a little like a target date fund, let's say? I mean, not in that we sometimes talk negatively about a target date fund, but you know what I mean? It's going to be yeah. based on modern portfolio theory and, and divided correct. into different things. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah correct. Yeah, it's, it's all based on modern portfolio theory, you know, globally allocated across the asset classes that you'd expect. So yeah, risk questionnaire, we essentially gauge the level of risk that you'd want to take. Uh, and then from there, ascribe a portfolio recommendation. You could shift that if you want. If you want to be more aggressive than the recommendation, you can. If you want to be less less aggressive, then you can. But yeah, globally diversified and based on modern portfolio theory. Gotcha. Okay. And then fees for the Vinvest account. What, what am I going to expect to pay? Yeah. So come on to the app. It's free. And to invest, save, or give, it's free. If you start investing above $100,000, then we'll start charging a, a rat fee of 25 basis points or 0.25% uh, annually. But it's free to essentially get started. And uh, most people probably won't hit the $100,000 mark for a while. 
So you can essentially just say, okay, I'm going to download Vimvest, give it a try. There is no barrier to entry for you to, to see what's going on with Vimvest and see if it could help you kind of organize and curate your future. And then how do you guys make money? I mean, obviously there's a fee for accounts above $100,000, but besides that, how does Vimvest make money? Yeah. So our goal to make Vimvest a profitable company is more long-term, right? So we're trying to get people to fall in love with what we're trying to do and enjoy using the application. Then from there, we're going to continue to add features upon features upon features to make things better. So I'll, I'll kind of run through a couple of the things that we're adding here very soon. And then I'll, I'll give you kind of the, the wrapper on as to how Vimvest you know, ultimately aims to make money. IRA accounts for the long term. You know, those are coming here very soon. Uh, the availability to purchase individual stocks will be coming soon on the investing side. Investing themes. So if there's a certain theme, like a thematic investing sort of style where you know you want to invest in tech companies, essentially custom curated buckets of stocks to work towards matching your risk as well in there. Um, socially responsible portfolio options will be all added as well. So on the investing side, continue to make it more and more robust. We'll also be adding custom curated giving themes. So instead of having, let's say, five nonprofits that you need to, you know, each put, you know, add goals for and, and fund independently, say you were, you just really wanted to fund humanitarian goals. We would, let's say, curate a set of, of nonprofits that did that very well, that met certain standards that we would put out. And then from there, you could just add that one goal and actually split the donation amount across those goals. So shared goals with a friend and family member, say, you know, a uh, father, child, uh, they say that there was a situation to where there was a goal that, that a child wanted to reach and the, and the parents said, hey, you know, for every dollar, I'll put in a dollar, you know, kind of like matching the amount so that the accounts could be connected in that way and goals could be shared is another thing we're going to be adding. A rewards program that we're developing. We've got all sorts of things coming. <laughs> um, there's, all, yeah, there's all sorts of things that <laughs> Vimvest is kind of what it is right now is a baby, you know, ready sure. to explode into all sorts of different things. It's essentially the initial packaging of of a huge idea that we've got. So from there, we want to essentially, and, and also a debit card. Uh, that's coming actually really soon as well. So you'll be able to spend directly from the goals instead of having to move the money back to your account. Oh. So you move money into Vimvest and then be able to swipe your Vimvest goal spending card um, and spend money directly from your goals that way. I got you. So if I've got like a trip fund, then I go on that vacation, I spend directly out of that account. Exactly. Yeah. And then you pop, you open Vimvest and it would just make sure that you're spending, you know, from that goal, just ask you a quick question. And then if you are great allocates it. So all of those features and everything else that I didn't mention will build into some variant of a subscription model long-term gotcha. that will help to fund and, and move that forward. So we're essentially kind of the baseline of Vimvest will always be free. And then as you expand into more and more pieces and more and more value from that point forward, we'll eventually have a tiered stepping stone system that somebody would be able to take, you know, and go from there. So we want to make sure that we don't shut the doors, you know, right at the beginning. Sure. Uh, and we don't want to ever make it so that people can't enjoy the basic, you know, use of what Vinvest is bringing to the table. The financial planning start of this I hadn't seen before combined with uh, investing directly and splitting it up. I hadn't seen before. So Love the idea of Vimvest. It's V-I-M, M as in Mike, V-E-S-T. And uh, you said download in the App Store now and, and Google, you're coming. 
You're yep, on the Google's way. coming soon. Web is coming even sooner. Well, that's good because it's platform agnostic with the web stuff. So, yeah. Exactly. Good. Sure. You yeah. know what? If you're walking the dog or out on your commute, we've got you covered. We'll have the links to Vimfest on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Justin, man, thanks for hanging out with us and, and good luck continuing to build. Sounds like you've got uh, small plans for the future. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome to my trivia. The basement's gearing up for a big game this weekend. We're talking nachos. We're talking queso. We're talking guacamole. We're talking weenie dogs. And we're definitely talking all the chips you can eat. And oh boy, was Joe's mom not happy when she saw the receipt talking about how we always buy too much food. We never eat it all. Ah, she's just blathering on and on. But I explained to her, we're actually saving her money. We're staying in the basement and eating in. Does she know how much that same food would cost at the game? Why, the average ticket price just for last year's Super Bowl would run you about 4300 bucks on average. And that price is only going up, folks. But that's for you to figure out. Here's your trivia. As of January 21st, What's the average price of a ticket to this year's Super Bowl game? Looks like Joe just called a timeout. I'll be right back with you after this. All right, I called a timeout so that we can deliberate this one. Paula got some help from Mr. Cody Berman last week. Excellent. From the Five Guys podcast. Cody gives you the lead, two to one to one. And I think that means that... uh, OG, does that mean OG goes first? I think it does. I think it does, yes. Yeah, I think it does. Len, which one did you win? I won the uh, Mars one, the one to the distance oh, to Mars. that was the first week, right? That was the first <laughs> yeah. week. Okay, okay. I think it was. So he won most recently, which means you get to you get to decide first. Are you going to guess first in the middle or last? We've explained to Clark and Jace the complicated rules to this game. You guys okay? You got it? I guess so. Yeah. All right. Yep. <laughs> Len, Len, Not like we got a chance. You know, we can't do anything about it, man. Len, do you want to? Do you want to guess first in the middle or last? Oh no, I'm going to go last. Uh, who knew? And uh, Jason Clark, you guys, you guys can confer. You're allowed to confer out loud, but when you say final answer, that's the answer that we're going with. All right. Do you guys want to guess in the middle or first? We middle. Pick middle. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Not their Sorry, first Paula. rodeo either, which means Paula who's in the lead, gets to go first. Average cost of a Super Bowl ticket this year as of January 21st. So to clarify, did he say that last year a ticket cost $4,300? Did I understand that correctly? The average price last year was $4,300. Obviously, prices were all over the map, but that was the average. The average price of one ticket last year was (laughs) $4,300? Paul is not familiar with this event. (laughs) (laughs) wow i'm just i'm shocked to hear that i that's an an order of magnitude outside of what i would have guessed that is she's like i'd pay 18 (laughs) (laughs) okay well if the average price of a ticket last year was 4300 then closest without go over i guess i'm gonna guess Forty six hundred this year. So a hundred dollars more. Oh, forty six hundred, not forty three hundred. Oh, I'm sorry, three hundred dollars more. Three hundred dollars more. Like a three and a half percent increase. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, perfect. It's a it's an inflation adjustment. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, like I said, Jace and Clark, you guys can uh, confer among yourselves. But um, what do you think? So L.A. is going right. I mean, whether or not it was part of the plan, L.A. is going to be traveling. I haven't been there in a while. I think the price is going to be a little bit more, maybe like 5,600, 5,700. A thousand more? Yeah. Let's cut it's a difference. brand new. It's Let's a brand new stadium. Brand new stadium in Atlanta. Thousand dollars a ticket, man's a lot. Let's cut the difference and call it five. Go to five grand. I'm good with that. You call it final. Okay, let's do final answer. Five grand. Five thousand bucks. I think it'd be funny, J- Jace. What was your first answer? Like fifty six hundred. But part of that is strategy, trying to make Len either go higher or lower. <laughs> And not leaving too much on the door. Because <laughs> that puts him in a tough spot, right? So where was where was last year's Super Bowl? Does anybody know? Was it at the Superdome? Was it in New Orleans? Was it Minneapolis? If oh, I'll- yeah, I think you're right. It was in Minnesota. Yeah, that's right. So now I'm trying to think. Now, which stadium, which stadium has more seats? I think this is a trick question. You're thinking of a I little supply it, and demand stuff going yeah, on here. Yeah, I'm thinking kind of a little bit of supply and demand. But 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 I, I, this could be a trick question. This could be a trick question. I, it could be <laughs> lower than forty three hundred dollars this year. Considering you know, the, the Patriots fans are getting bored with the Super Bowl. They, I mean, they do it every. <laughs> you know, they go every year. They're, they're, it's like old hat for those guys. So they're probably like, you know, the, I, the demand is low. I'm going to say one dollar, Joe. Paula can't believe the Lawrence Kansas Patriots would be. <laughs> getting bored with the Super Bowl. Uh, this is an expensive basketball game. <laughs> Len's going one dollar for the trick question. I heard this new this new venue in Atlanta. They only have what eight seats, nine seats. <laughs> <laughs> Those people are going to love it. Thanks again to Murder Book, the new true crime podcast hosted by best-selling author Michael Connolly for supporting Stacking Benjamins. In the Murder Book podcast, he returns to his roots as a journalist. Michael Connolly now presents the true crime podcast Murder Book, working with the very detectives who inform his novels in his hit television show, Bosch. The podcast explores real homicide cases not covered by mainstream media. Season one is the telltale bullet, and it dives into this 30-year-old Hollywood carjacking gone wrong that tests the limits of the American criminal justice system. Also, by the way, from Michael Connolly, out now, we got our copy here, and uh, Cheryl has finished it, and I'm just, it's like a warm blanket. It's so Michael Connolly. And if you know Michael Connolly books, you're going to love it. Dark Sacred Night is out now. His latest number one best-selling featuring detectives, Harry Bosch and Renee Ballard. I love this idea by the way, that uh, both Dark Sacred Night and the Murder Book podcast follow these real law enforcement cases. It, it it just feels like, you know how you get into these crime TV shows? Well, man, even the show Bosch, like I wanted to dive deeper because I'm so used to the Michael Connolly books. And now that he's got a podcast where you can dive deeper into these cases and also in Dark Sacred Night, you can dive further into the cases. I I just love getting immersed in the world. So check out Michael Connolly's new murder book podcast on Apple podcast, or wherever you get your podcast or at murderbookpodcast.com. That's murderbookpodcast.com. 
Welcome back, Patriot fans. Uh, 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 trivia fans. You're going to take that out, right, Steve? Yeah, just snip, snip, snip. Get rid of that. Hey there, football fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Duggan. Okay. Follow on Paula Pant for not understanding basic facts. What? Joe's throwing a challenge flag. What the? All right, let's go to the booth. We're going to check it out in slow-mo. All right, there's there's the reference to the Patriots. And, yup, there it is. Paula clearly has no clue who the Patriots are. 15-yard penalty. We'd replay the trivia guesses, but who wants to do that? We're just going to play on. Here was today's trivia question. As of January 21st, what's the average price of a ticket to this year's Super Bowl game? According to SeatGeek.com, the lowest you'd be able to go is $4,000. And if you really wanted to spend some major Benjamins, you'd be draining almost $59,000 out of your bank account. But the average? Well, you're still out of a pretty penny at almost $6,900. Get it right? I'll be sending a championship ring your way. You know, figuratively. Get it wrong? I'll see you this time next year, hoping for another shot, just like Joe's Detroit Lions. See ya! That's crazy. We just have to have a little talk here. Jason Clark, you guys can go high five each other on your own, but I got to know why the hell three weeks in a row, our guest is one <laughs> instead of yeah, no our, our contributors, our guest have won three weeks in a row. Paula, what do you have to say for yourself? I, I, so I'm thinking about how big those stadiums are. The idea that every single person inside that stadium would have on average paid a four digit number. That's insane. I seriously figured that Super Bowl tickets would have been in the hundreds. It's so. a, you know what? I've twice, on two occasions, I've gone to the Stanley Cup finals, and I've, me and the honeybee, we've paid uh, over two grand for two tickets twice. So I can't imagine paying six, what is it? Six thousand dollars? I cannot imagine. Almost seven thousand, six thousand nine hundred. Like Jace's guess that Clark backed him off of still wasn't even <laughs> close. I think we forget that it's a lot of corporations that are paying for those tickets too, not just always individuals. Yeah, entertaining, uh, entertaining people. Paula, how come? How come our sponsors aren't aren't sending? <laughs> yeah, yeah, get, get the suite. That's right. Right. Yeah, come on, Michael Connolly, take me to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the people in LA driving up the prices. That's it's it's all you people, Len. But but seriously, Len, while we're on that note, you paid that much money to go to that sporting event. Paula's like, I can't believe somebody would spend that kind of money. T take us through your thinking because I'm with you. What do you mean? My thinking of what? Of of <laughs> of why you would spend that much money to go to a three hour sporting well, event. For a lot of people, they have their teams, and it's all like a religious experience when they get to the promised land, right? And you want to be a part of that. You want to share that experience. For the case of hockey, I'm, you know, I've been a long – I was a long-suffering L.A. Kings fan. We went almost, gosh, what is it, 50 years, almost 50 years before we got to the – to have a chance to win a Stanley Cup. I mean we lost in 93, but then there, there was like – it had been a long time. It was, this was in 2011, so it had been close to – 50 years, they still hadn't won. So I was going to be there and I wanted to, sh to share the experience. And, you know, I figured, hey, you know, they only get there 
you know, once every so many years, it might be the last chance I'll ever have. So, you know, you roll the dice and you say, let's do it. So that was my thought process. I might never get another chance. Was it worth it? Yeah. Uh, it's a memory. On the, yeah. Uh, great. It's great memories. Yeah. And we were talking about that last week, right? Experiences versus, uh, you know, buying, thing, yeah. you know, material things. The, ex- the It was an experience. Experiences last forever. Jace or Clark, have you guys ever spent big money to go to a sporting event? I not haven't. too cheap. <laughs> Maybe one day, but I'm not there yet. Sometimes, I mean, I've got, well, I take it back. Tickets were purchased for me on my behalf for my birthday to go to the Final Four, which was a big deal. But after going there and watching it, it was great to experience once. I probably won't go back because the view on TV is better. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. <laughs> That's even the case live. But what I found, Len, when I went, because I never went to the Stanley Cup, but I went to some of the playoff games, the energy inside that room, you can't replicate, though. Like, I don't get that. Hockey. Oh, hockey. Hockey is, now you're going to get me all on how I love hockey, but hockey, that sport, you have to see it in person. That is one sport. Seeing it in person is better than seeing it on TV. Now, football, different story. Football is a TV sport. Because I go to football games, too, a lot. But uh, to me, it's much better to see a football game on TV. I see Paula nodding her head. She totally agrees with you. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Paula, have there been any events you spent big money to go to? Well, I've gone to Broadway shows. So I've uh, I've seen Phantom of the Opera and Book of Mormon and and those shows. But those those tickets are in the hundreds. You know, we're talking about $100 a ticket, $120, $140 a ticket. So... And how much is a beer at uh, Phantom of the Opera? A glass of wine would be like $15 or so, ten, between 10 to 15 Slight markup on that, just a little bit. Hey, let's take out the magnifying glass, guys, and let's help somebody do better with their money. Today's hotline call comes to you courtesy of magnifymoney.com. When you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash money, you find that those financial products you use every day, guess what? They're nowhere near best in class. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money and you'll find that over 92% of the products available online they're all ranked at magnify money it's funny in the basement facebook group we have people always ask about savings account rates and i love our listeners the longtime listeners because they're always like how come you don't go to magnify money like what are you doing i'm like thank you very 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 well done because they're all there (laughs) today though we're going to help rob out say hi rob hey guys my name is rob and i'm a high school teacher in maryland Quick question for you. I hear all the time people saying, I wish I'd learned this in high school. Well, I have the opportunity to teach personal finance to high school seniors, and I want to know what are the top things that you think high school seniors should know before they leave high school and head out into the real world, whether that's for college or career or just to figure out the next step. Appreciate it. I thought this is so awesome that we have the guys on for Millionaires Unveiled talking about what you should learn in high school. That's awesome. I'm going to give you guys the last word, though. Let's start with Len. Len, what do you think they should be teaching in high school that they're not? I just think that's great that they're teaching personal finance in high school here, and they're doing that. They, nobody does that anymore. But, you know, I thought about this. To me, I think the most important thing would be return on investments and payback period. I think that'd be a very uh, a very good thing for uh, kids in high school to, to uh to learn about, especially when it comes down to uh, going to college and whether their college degree would actually be worth the money that they are intending to spend. Oh, cost-benefit analysis, you mean? Yeah, sure. 
<laughs> yeah, Joe, whatever. <laughs> hey, look how much your college degree is going to cost. Calculate your, your salary over your lifetime and figure out how long it's going to take you to get that money back. Yes. It's funny, just as an offshoot of what you're saying, when I've spoken at high schools and we get to the Q&A time, every single student asks me a variation of the question. They never ask it this way, but it's always a variation to this. How do I get into debt up to my eyeballs as fast as possible? Like, how do I qualify for a car loan? How do I buy a house? How do I get a – It's and it's all how can I how can I get into debt? And um, this idea, Len, I like about return on investment and about uh, rate of return – I think comparing debt rates to what you earn with your money, because it's funny. I see people all the time say, hey, 10 percent's a great rate on a credit card. You know, no, no, no. you're paying somebody else 10 percent guaranteed. Like, yeah, you, absolutely. You're a fantastic <laughs> investment for somebody else. Paula, how about you? What should what uh, should they be teaching in high school? First of all, I think this is a fantastic question. So thank you to the guy who asked it. I would encourage you to teach high schoolers about The idea that they can earn money as an online entrepreneur, because when you're in high school and when you're in college, you need to work some low paying job in order to put gas in your car and buy groceries and have some spending money. Right. Typically, you'll get a job waiting tables or you'll you'll get a job at Chipotle and it doesn't pay very well and it's frustrating and it's time consuming. But if high schoolers can open their eyes to the idea that they can start a business online and they can do it while you're you can do it while you're still in high school there's no age limit to it you can earn significantly more than you would earn making burritos at chipotle that can be a fantastic summer job or college job or job that you uh pour yourself into during your school breaks Chipotle, if you want to sponsor the show, it was Paula that said that, not me. Direct your hate mail to Paula at affordanything.com. Uh, but we're still open for spot. We think you're great, Chipotle. Uh, <laughs> Clark, how about so, you? So do we. So do we, Chipotle. <laughs> I think Len had great advice, finding a career that provides value, right? And, and thinking about what you can go there. But I'd probably teach them that you have to be aware about money. You know, it's it's crazy to me that you think about Dave Ramsey and he's made his whole show and his whole brand about people calling in and saying they're on debt or they have debt, right? They made a silly financial decision or they're in debt up to their eyeballs and now what do I do? And I think the fact of the matter is that all of us learn it at some point. And the earlier we can learn it, the better. If we can learn early to stay out of that situation, all the better. Because if we don't, then, you know, we're going to be the ones calling in. And then we're going to have to try and figure it out later in life. And that's when it really hinders you financially. That is so amazing. Five days a week, two hours a day. And it's, it's all, it's all debt. It is. It's it all is, debt. It is all debt. Yeah. That's uh, if we could get that gig. Uh, Jace, how about you? I'm going to go against the, the grain a little bit on this one. And I would say sales skills, you know, in life, you're going to be selling yourself. You're going to be selling a product. You're going to be selling a service or maybe all of the above. And I think in general, kids in high school and college come out and they and they don't have sales skills. And a lot of people end up in a career in sales and they've got to go and learn and develop that in their 20s or 30s when maybe they can get a head start if they were to learn that in their teens. You know, like Paul said, being an online entrepreneur, you're learning sales, you know, to some degree. You're learning how to sell a product or service or yourself. 
So, so I guess communication skills, I mean, as much as yeah, anything. Totally. That's funny because I've had lots of college kids work for me and the, the ability to communicate is, uh, it's kind of frustrating, like writing skills and communication skills. Like the two college guys we have working for us now are fantastic at that, but they, but they're not the average. Like it just, it's, it's so painful, but the sales skills, I'm thinking when it comes to, to selling, you see some people though, Jace that are fantastic at selling, but then they're horrible at managing the money when it gets in their pocket. Totally. It's kind of like the chicken or the egg, right? And so, yeah, you get good at sales and then you don't manage well or you manage well, but then you don't, you know, you're not a rainmaker or whatever you want to put it. But I, I just think in general, sales skills development, communication development, it just is so much later in life in our society than it should be, along with financial management too. But, you know, between the two, what everybody else has said, you know, in terms of financial management and, and learning money at a young age is great, whether it's, you know, how to invest or how to earn. But if somebody's trying to teach their high school kids, sometimes it's hard, I think, to learn a skill with money management until you actually have some money coming in or substantial money coming in because you're essentially living paycheck to paycheck. And sales skills might be something that somebody could pick up at the age of 15 or 16 and kind of start developing those communication and sales skills earlier. I'm surprised nobody said, why didn't anybody say just managing credit cards or budget skills? Why did that not make your number one? For me, I think that's obvious. If you think about teaching personal finance, the most obvious things that come to mind are budgeting credit cards in the context of teaching high schoolers. It's uh, college loans and college debt. So those are the things that I assume are getting taught regardless. Whereas something like entrepreneurship or sales skills, that's not necessarily something that you would assume would be in a personal finance 101 class. Len, you've got older kids that you taught personal finance. What lessons did you try to teach your kids that weren't taught in school besides dad's a cheap ass? Well, I taught them how to work a ledger. Like, I, like I've, I've shared this many times in the past. I gave them a ledger book when they were you know, five years old and they learned how to keep track of income and outgo. Actually, I think it's been um, a long time since we talked about that, though. So that's good. Is it? Oh, yeah. yeah. So any, anyway, so that's one thing. The other thing I try to impart upon them is debt. Debt is basically you're taking future earning power, you're pulling it forward, and you're, you you have to pay that back at the end. So you're taking away your choices later in life, your, your short-term gratification, and you're limiting your choices later in life. So I try to impart that as well. So. That's good stuff. Well, I hope that was helpful, Rob. Thanks for the great – I agree with Paula. That was an excellent question. I love that question. More people are thinking about this in high school classes. It is so awesome. Uh, if you've got a question for us, stackybenjamins.com is where you go. And stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail is the way to get on the Magnify Money line. He's uh, Rob's going to get a Greatest Money Show on Earth t-shirt. Shows what a circus the Stacky Benjamin Show is. Speaking of circus, we got a circus of stuff that you guys are doing. Let's uh, go ladies first. Paula, what's happening over to Ford Anything? On the Afford Anything podcast, we have a long interview with Paulette Perhatch about emerging from financial chaos and stumbling into adulthood. We also have an interview with Cal Newport. He is the author of a book called Digital Minimalism, and he talks about the concept of minimalism as it applies to your online and digital life, and he links that to financial independence as well. So all of that is coming up on the Afford Anything podcast. 
Len, how about you? What's going on at that crazily titled LenPenzo.com? Yes, and the sister blog site, The Persistent Itch. Don't forget that. We haven't, um, we haven't mentioned The Persistent Itch in a long time. No, somebody left a comment uh, just, just today, actually. <laughs> And reminded me of it. So uh, <laughs> on my blog about the persistent itch, and I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, anyways. Um, did you know that in February 1998, Joe, my cable bill that month was $8.03? In February huh? 1998. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, you guess what? Did you know I spent $88.95 at my local Kmart in August of 2001? Did you know that? I, I did not know. Actually, I did how know do you that. Think I, how do you think I know that? That's a good question because you're, I know that you're because a savant. I have a spreadsheet where I've been tracking oh. expenses for over two decades and I use Excel. I've been using Excel for over two decades and I have an article uh, on how I've used that spreadsheet, how I set it up. Uh, and I even have a generic spreadsheet if people who want to write in and I've been sending it out. I've sent out uh, almost 100 of them already to people. Uh, just talks about how I use a spreadsheet to manage my expenses. So stop on by. That's so awesome. You can see trends. I mean, how can you see trends? How can you make it to the Super Bowl without knowing how you got there? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Clark and Jace, thanks a ton for hanging out with us, guys. Yeah, this is awesome. Thanks for having us. It's absolutely great. What's going on at Millionaires Unveiled? We've got some fun interviews. We uh, recently interviewed Chris Hogan on his new Millionaire book. We interviewed, I know you had Sarah Falon as well. We interviewed her, and then uh, we got Robert Kiyosaki coming up. Oh, wow. As well as some fun uh, millionaire interviews. So we interviewed a custodian recently and a man who was homeless and has since rebounded to become a millionaire. But I think by far our most important interview with the most, you know, (laughs) the most important person, the best looking person launched today, and that was with you, Joe. That was a week ago, (laughs) by the way. Okay, a week ago. (laughs) That's it was so awesome of you to have me. And uh and it was we had a great time. Yeah, I, it was fun. It's fun. I found out Joe is a millennial. <laughs> I, I, oh, he is, is he? <laughs> Len, Len, I disassociated. I had no idea. <laughs> I disassociated from our tribe, Len. <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> Gen X, I know I'm fifty, but My I'm not a Gen part X of that. Friend. Yes. I'm a you, you gotta listen to the show to hear what the hell we're talking about. Because it may or may not have been a funny moment. But anyway, that's all at Millionaires Unveiled. You can get that anywhere, right? Wherever podcasts are made or listened to. Yeah, iTunes, Stitcher, our website, millionairesunveiled.com. It's it's all around. That's awesome. Well, that's going to do it for today, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what did we learn today? First, take some advice from the Millionaires Unveiled guys and our roundtable gang. Want to play your best game with your money? It's about developing consistency. So set out a plan, work the plan, and review to tweak it so you're scoring touchdowns every time with your money. Second, saving for your goals? Take some advice from Justin at Vimvest and create separate buckets for each individual goal on your list. That way you'll be able to track progress on all of your goals and you won't be as tempted to borrow from one goal to pay for another. But the big lesson? Don't call a penalty on Joe's mom if you want more nachos and cheese. She'll turn that into a flagrant foul and give you a game misconduct, which, by the way, comes with some Windex and Windows, mind you. I'm screwed. 
Really? You gotta be kidding. This is amazing. All right, let me do the credits first, and then I'll make the announcement, okay? All right. Thanks to Jace and Clark from Millionaires Unveiled for joining us today. Check out their podcast wherever you're listening to us right now. How about now? Can I can I announce it now? now? I want to no. All right. Wait until after Vim. Okay, Vimvest first. Okay, got it. All right. Oh, it's going to be great. Thanks also to Justin Bailey from Vimvest. Want to learn more? Head to vimvest.com. That's v i m v e s t.com. Find it on the App Store or find the links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. And now, I can't believe it. Oh, my God. And now, just like the big game this weekend, we have a huge party happening right after this. Just wait about 45 seconds. You're going to get about 45 seconds of silence while we set up the stage. And while they can't play, Nickelback has agreed to do an interview with us on the show on the show oh my god we will be back with that in just a minute hold your horses hold on wait for 45 seconds i should probably stop talking so that the 45 seconds can start the silence that we need to the 45 okay i'm done see ya bye oh my god i can't believe it All right, it's the big week. You know, we have this uh, thing, guys, that predicts the future. And Paula and Len and I are very familiar with its success rate. <laughs> <laughs> or lack thereof. Lately. Easy. No, sell it, Len. Remember how Jay said we need, we need sales skills? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, keep working it. So who, which one of you guys wants to ask? Because it has to be yes, no question. So it's got to be one team or the other that you ask if it'll win the Super Bowl. But uh, who would like to ask? All you right, know. I'll go for it. All right. Oh, you gotta, so go, you go, Jay. Go, Jay. Go, Jay. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Sell us. Sell us. In honor of Len, do the L.A. Rams win the Super Bowl? Yes, without question. <laughs> oh. I was praying that you would ask if the L.A. Rams will win because this thing never says no. <laughs> Everybody knows where to put their sports bets. Yes. (laughs) Hey, I have a question. Will the Las Vegas Raiders win the Super Bowl? 
Oh boy. Now I see what you're doing here, Paula. Okay. <laughs> it cannot be determined at this time. Nice. Really good, eight ball. No, 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 no. Hey, Paula, with the huge amount of yeses this thing gives us, how about this? The next uh, time that we all get together, is Len Penzo going to pick up the check? <laughs> That's a good one, Joe. Highly doubtful. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.